This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Halloween, Halloween. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And welcome to our Spooktober bonus episode. (laughs) The creepiest thing of all is all the vocal fry that you're doing. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to make you go away. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, So we are here live with our Patreon chat supporters, and they uh, were gracious enough to give us some funding, and we are gracious enough to sit on YouTube and mess around. But we are here to also talk about a book that we both read this month called The Nightmare Before Christmas, written and illustrated by Tim Burton. Um, mm-hmm. Timothy Walter Burton is his full oh, that's his, is his that's full his name. Middle name, huh? That's yes. very that's a very normal middle name for Tim Burton to have. Yes. Walter. Uh, so From the sick, twisted mind of <laughs> Timothy Walter Burton. Uh, so this is going to be a fun one. We don't normally both read the book, but because it is essentially a children's book. It's a poem. It with is exactly pictures. a children's book. It's an illustrated. I've listen. I've become an expert. Oh, that's true. You do have a child. Because after bedtime, Henry will let me read him like one quarter of one short book before he starts <laughs> screaming, and it's time to go to sleep. Uh, so we both read it because it's kind of short, and we will probably end up talking a decent amount about the movie. But we figured that there was, since there was a book of it, we could read it and talk about it. Um, and along the way, we might take some questions or comments from our live chat, um, and we'll try to give people shout outs as we go. Andrew, this isn't what? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Andrew is also messing around with the stream. So if he gets distracted, um, I thought the background would be transparent. Here, okay. I'll the pumpkin. Um, for folks wondering, um, there is like, a book. I'll show the pumpkin when something creepy is happening so people know to. Oh, my God. This, what to, a like, good podcast. Away. This is great audio content. <laughs> okay. So, Andrew, you have seen the film. We have watched the film together, I think, with our wives. Yeah, we did last year, even though our like full screen DVD version of it is not the uh, <laughs> ideal cinematic experience. No, every not. year I mean to replace it, and every year I don't. Yeah, so this is the the stop motion film from when? 1993? 93, yes. Um, Not directed by Tim Burton because he was busy with Batman Returns at the time. Sure. uh, Conceived of by him, produced by him, and with a lot of, like, involvement from a lot of Tim Burton-y figures. So that includes music from Danny Elfman. Yes. um, Like Catherine O'Hara is in it. Yes. uh, Paul Rubens is in it. Paul but, Rubens you know. is in it. Yeah, so like Tim Burton. He's like, a, he's like a kid in it. Like he doesn't have a very big part. Yeah, he's one of the like trick-or-treating kids. So this is, um, it was directed by Henry Selick, who uh, was told to make it look like a Tim Burton film, he says. <laughs> Which is a good. Which ba- okay, if you had to describe Tim Burton's like signature style, what would it be? Because for me... I would say just make everything pointy and skinny and put extra teeth everywhere. And like, that's basically Tim Burton. Yeah. Make everything come to a really fine point. Like take it like a scoop of something like uh, the way that you like scoop uh, like batter or something. And it like comes to a peak. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, everything has teeth, even stuff that shouldn't. You are right. Uh, Maybe there's like stripes and maybe. Uh, some houses Stripes, yeah. are all like crooked and stuff. Uh, Re- Rebecca says, "Make everything death," which yeah. is good. Here, I'm just gonna flash the spooky pumpkin so everybody knows to be scared. That's true. Um, 
I didn't realize this, Andrew. The film was released under the Touchstone Pictures label originally, which mm-hmm. I didn't know was a subsidiary of Disney. Mm-hmm. And was every they, everything well, yeah, a subsidiary of Disney. Don't worry about and it. And they use that for like sort of adulty movies um, that they weren't sure wanted. Like the Disney, like Splash was a Touchstone film. There was apparently an R-rated Touchstone film. Um, yeah, I, don't, I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah, because the the movie and and we'll talk about the book mainly, but it's going to require a lot of talking about the movie because the book is sort of a footnote for for the movie. But so Burton originally worked at Disney in the early eighties. He did this uh, stop motion short film called, um, called, well, which one? Cause stock of the celery monster got him his job at right now. Um, he, so he, he made one in 1982 called Vincent. Yes. That was a short yes. films, like six minutes long narrated by Vincent price, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. you also know from the song thriller, probably. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> that's his main, that's his contribution main claim to fame to is, the spooky can. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so after this came out and it succeeded, like he, wrote this poem the nightmare before christmas which is what this book is is based on we'll talk about the like the quality of the poetry i guess when we talk about the book whatever um but he envisioned it sort of as a tv special also narrated by vincent price and he started working on it um but disney thought it was too weird and they shut it down and he got fired yes he he was and that was the yeah he made Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I yeah. think he was fired. I think yeah. at that point he had made Pee Wee's Big Adventure, maybe. I think Pee Wee's Big Adventure was 96. Like he left oh. Disney and then he oh, found you're right, success you're right, you're right. with Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, Beetlejuice, and the Batman. first Batman movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then once he once he had left and succeeded in live action movies, he you know, he kept thinking about this this story and he wanted to come back to it, and Disney still had the film rights, so in like nineteen ninety he came back to Disney with all his clout intact and uh, and started making it. And it's it's stop motion, which means it's long production, varied painstaking. Yeah, each minute of the movie took a week of work, and there's over 110,000 frames of animation. So imagine yeah. moving little puppets around... Oh gosh. And it's like it's an interesting thing from from Disney's perspective and an animation perspective yeah. because this was, you know, 90 to 93 is like right square in the middle of that. Um I'm not sure whether it's called like a golden age or a silver age or what it is, but the the like late 80s early 90s resurgence of Disney's traditional animated yes. films which included Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion yes. King. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit, I think, which was very experimental in its combining of of live action and animation. So, yeah, they wanted to to keep doing experiments and keep doing interesting animation. But then I think once the movie was taking shape, they were like, eh, I don't know about this one, <laughs> gang. So it got like a, it got a weirdly limited release yes. on not very many screens, but still did pretty well for all of that and developed a substantial cult following. And now... Nightmare Before Christmas is the like the official movie of Halloween. It, it is really is. Everywhere. Yeah, it was nominated for best visual effects, and it was the first animated film to be nominated for that Oscar, which is kind of cool. Because um, mm-hmm. I guess that you know is like you might put making the Star Wars battles back in like the seventies under that category. I think so. A lot of like creating that stuff, um, and. Yeah, then it's just like, why? I saw you Googling earlier today, Andrew. <laughs> Google knew exactly what I wanted. And I don't know if it noticed that I had been Googling Nightmare Before Christmas already. But one question that I just really wanted the answer to, and maybe I'll I'll let Yahoo Answers do the do the questioning for me, but I started to Google why do got kids L-I, and then it auto-filled for me, why do goth kids like Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> that was the first result. Um, Did you get an answer? I didn't really. So Yahoo answers, uh, why do so many goths slash rock stars worship this movie, Nightmare Before Christmas? It's an okay movie, but not that great. People say the meaning of the film, the love with Jack and Sally, 
or the surreal escapism of the movie, I watched it and I think this movie is very overrated or people is just copycats. Then there's the Jackmania. Anyone who is so-called goth or emo, even or most rock stars, has some sort of nightmare emblem on them. I don't get it. I mean, the merchandise, Dice D-I-C-E, is cool to pick up. I won't mind. Like, I'm going to buy a NBC poster because I think it looks cool. Why do you worship it? I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton's early work. End of question. <laughs> yes. That's so good. Oh, that's fun. So yeah. no definitive answers. Like all the Yahoo people are like, what? Like everybody likes it. Well, it just... well one person one person says, who worships this movie? Name the rock stars that think it's great. So what if three rockers and two goths liked it? Uh, it's just another typical Burton drug movie. You can only appreciate them if you're high. Uh, then somebody says everybody likes NBC. Huh. Okay. And then someone else says it's the go-to movie for mall goth. So just like a lot of observation of the phenomenon, but not much by way of explanation. Yeah. I want the founder of, I want, if anybody knows the founder of hot topic, put me in touch with them. I want to know how much of their revenue is nightmare before Christmas merch from the years 2000 to 2010. (laughs) I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas is subsidizing their Funko Pop oh, business God. at this point. Uh, so a, a fight has broken out in our chat section. Yes. If you listen to our live episodes before, you know that we've got chatters here and they're very rowdy. Chris has started a fight by proclaiming Hocus Pocus to be overrated. Yes. And he asked people to fight him and then people are fighting but him. Cat, <laughs> Cat says it's overrated. <laughs> Um, Adam says that Chris will be removed from online. So much for the tolerant left. Oh, whoa. Um, <laughs> we're, we're arguing about Thackeray Binks versus Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Shout mm-hmm. out to the voice of Salem, fellow Kenyan alum. What up? I don't remember your name. <laughs> I've forgotten your name. But uh, Salem went to our college is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris is a she. Apologies, oh, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, but Hocus Pocus, pretty good movie, I will say. I mean, the one time, because I didn't see it when I was out, because I had kind of a sheltered early to mid-childhood, but um, the first time I did watch it, I watched it at Craig's house, and I was sitting next to his wife, Laura, who quoted every line in the entire movie all the way through the movie. She loves that movie so much. She likes Hocus Pocus. It's pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. Quickly wrapping up before we get into the book itself... um, Tim Burton kind of based this on like how the Grinch stole Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and like visit from St. Nick. And so like if you envision what he was trying to make as like a Rankin Bass special, which I think is what he was trying to draw inspiration from, you can see that DNA like throughout the story. Um, And then so we'll talk about that, like visit from St. Nick. Um, and then the, oh, I forgot the only other Disney tidbit I wanted to add was that apparently Disney lobbied to have Jack Skeleton Skellington. Jack Skellington. <laughs> it's um, not as good of a name. Jack Skellington have like actual eyes, like pupils, instead Ew. of just the big Funko Pop eyes that he has. He is the original <laughs> Funko Pop. Um, He's way too tall and skinny to be a Funko Pop. That's true. Um, and they they were like, oh, well, we need our cartoons. You know, they got to have the big puppy dog animation eyes. And uh, Tim Burton was like, nah, dog, stop it. And he won. And, you know, Hot Topic was never the same. I'm impressed yeah, with the... Yeah, I mean, a lot of cartoon emoting is done with eyes and so they solve the the problem by giving him a, like a very expressive brow like he still has a yes. very you know he's very big eyes but they don't there's nothing in him and then he has that a big mouth big old mouth big big old tim burton mouth yes that goes kind of all the way around to the back of his head and uh yeah he's still still expressive so yeah well should we get into the book andrew i guess yeah so like you said, I could find like basically nothing about the provenance of this book. He wrote a poem, he did the illustrations, and then what we are reading is the 20th anniversary release of the book. The only copyright info yeah. in the beginning of it is from 1993, so I think we are reading the original like source, but I don't I can find no evidence that this book existed before this reissue <laughs> came out. So yeah. I don't know if it's a reissue or an issue or what. 
It's the, the 20th anniversary. I don't know. This if you go to disneybooks.com and you search for this, like that's what it is. Um there is another version that you can get that I think is like a read along with the movie that if I am correct, like comes with it comes with a CD and it has like Patrick Stewart recorded some narration that was ultimately not used in the film. Um Yeah, but it is if you go on um spotify or i assume it's on most streaming music services um you can find the patrick stewart introduction for nightmare before christmas and it rules because it's patrick stewart (laughs) patrick stewart in the early 90s at the height of his power oh true 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 true. very good um you know so the dedication andrew from mr burton says nightmare has always meant a lot to me to revisit it after 20 years and adding a few additional illustrations has been a special experience i hope you enjoy the new edition so i guess that's you know that's what it is. He he made a new version of it. I think he updated some of the illustrations um, that went into updated from what I'm so they're like you know I'm like so frustrated the by our no, but I mean like what were they publicly released before? It's so frustrating that I can't find anything about this book. Okay, well let's just talk I'm about so, it. I'm so spooked about that. I'm gonna flash the spooky pumpkin for a sec. Okay, watch out, chat. All right, all right, it's gone. Great. Let's just tell the story. We don't need to read it, but like, who's our who's our main man, Andrew? What's his deal? Okay, so Jack Skellington, yes, is now in the movie. He is the Pumpkin King, yes, and he runs Halloween Town with an iron fist. In this, he is he lives in Halloween Land, and I guess it's implied that he is in a position of authority, but I don't know that he has got any. You know, I don't know that it's a monarchy or what. I mean. Halloween Town's a weird place anyway because it is a monarchy that has a king, but also it has an elected mayor. So I don't know if it's like <laughs> true, true England, like the and Jack is like kind of a figurehead, but he also seems to have absolute authority over every decision that gets made. Yes, I think last time we watched the the movie together, we had a lot of questions about. There are a lot of questions. The, the pumpkin ocracy. Mm. No, <laughs> Allegordy. Maybe? No. Okay. It was late one fall in Halloween land, and the air had quite a chill. Against the moon, a skeleton sat alone upon a hill. This is Jack Skellington, and he is sick of Halloween. He's just tired of it. Yeah. It's his, it's his whole thing. He's a living skeleton. He never went away to college. He's always been skeleton. here. skeleton. Yeah. It's called Halloween Land, not Halloween. Is Halloween Town in the movie? Halloween Town in the movie. Interesting. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so he's just bored. He's just very bored. His limbs are very long and skinny, and <laughs> he's upset about, you know, what, dancing those, and my feet hurt from dancing those skeleton dances. Mm. I don't Sick like- of the scaring, the terror, yep. the fright. I'm tired of being something that goes bump in the night. I'm bored with leering my horrible glances, and my feet hurt from dancing those skeleton dances. I don't like graveyards, and I need something new. So some of this sounds like just maybe a little bored with his job. Some of it sounds like maybe he didn't want this job in the first place, but he like graduated into the Great Recession, and he just needed to get whatever he could to pay the bills. Yep, true, 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 true. Um, and then he, we meet his dog Zero. Um, why would you name your dog Zero? Let's see. I mean, did he name the dog, or did the the dog belong to someone else and then it died and now it's his? It's a great question because the tombstone does say Zero on it. So whoever's dog it was named it Zero hmm. when it was alive. Okay, so Cat in the chat points out that maybe Halloween Land slash Town is a British system that does have a king and a mayor. <laughs> the king is more of a figurehead. Some sort of Magna Carta situation. It just really seems like Jack is striving a lot of, I don't know, a lot of the reforms yes, in Halloween that's true. Town for, some, for just to be a figurehead. So these first couple pages feel very much Grinch Stole Christmas. Like, there's a big dude who lives up on a mountain, and he's sad about it, and he has a dog that he doesn't pay attention to. Like, it's his best friend, but he kind of... Like yeah, there's a, the whole like page dirt. where where zero pops out of the ground is fr- then out from a grave with a curl and a twist came a whimpering whining spectral mist like it's it is phrased as a point that is going to change the story in some way but the the end result like the impact on the story is here's a dog yep 
He doesn't meet. He doesn't do anything yet. But just hold on. Just, you just gotta know about this dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we see him walking around in the woods of Halloween Land, looking very sad. Um, he's so upset, and he gets right gets right to the woods that have a bunch of Halloween doors in the tree. Not Halloween doors. Holiday doors. Holiday doors. Yeah. In the trees. And in the book, there are only three of them. Um, there's one that's shaped like a heart. There's one that is shaped like a Christmas tree. And there's one that is shaped like an Easter egg. Now, Andrew, do you remember what the other... While I hold up this uh, picture for the chat, do you remember what the other doors are from the movie? Is there any like non-Christian land to celebrate a holiday or is it just the christian holidays so there are five that are christian if you consider halloween town to be like all saints day kind of stuff um so according to the wiki that i went to um there are it's halloween town saint patrick's day town (laughs) Ooh, yikes! Easter Town, which is the East- I've been I've been to Hoboken. I know what St. Patrick's Day Town is like. <laughs> There's Christmas Town, which we'll go to. There's Valentine's Day Town. There is Thanksgiving Town, and there's Independence Day Town. Independence. <laughs> it's very America centric. Very yes, Christian centric. Now, Independence Day Town also appeared. In uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge, which was a video game for the PlayStation Two and Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, and so people in the chat are like, "Where's Diwali Town?" I I made a list of some, you know, you might have like a Labor Day Town, Workers of the mm-hmm. World Unite. What up? Maybe like mm-hmm. a Hanukkah Town or a Chinese mm-hmm. New Year Town. Diwali Town. I think the Groundhog Day Town is just the movie Groundhog Day in there. I mean, you used to have separate towns for George Washington's birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday, but then they were zoned into one town. Yes. President's President's Day Town. Town. And then I looked up some other holidays from timeanddate.com, Andrew, that might make for some fun towns mole day oh might they might they make for some fun towns yeah mole day town what do you think you celebrate on mole day andrew um i think you're mispronouncing it i think it's mole day no and you're celebrating mole sauce well spicy guacamole day is different but mole Uh day is about the chemistry unit the mole Mm mm-hmm but you could celebrate by celebrating the animal, too, because it's kind of like a double entendre. I mean, I would like to hang out in indigenous people's town. Sure. Honestly, that would be fun. Okay. Well, I'm going to be hanging out in Bologna Day Town, mm-hmm. which is October 24th um, coming up in uh, tomorrow from when we record this. Um, you could celebrate. You go to Internet Day Town. Mm-hmm. You could go to Men Make Dinner Day Town, which is the first Thursday of November. <sighs> That there shouldn't there doesn't need to be a day. Just make dinner. It's not that hard. According to timeanddate.com, you could go to Chaos Never Dies Day Town. That's my favorite James Bond film, actually. This made up holiday encourages people to realize that chaos is a part of life and that it will never die. What? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I did like um donut day international donut day or whatever it was where you could go to places and get a free donut like give me a town based on that that would be good get, get a free donut day internet international donut day i forget what it's like the actual name for it i got a sticker from the federal donuts when is international donut day i'm googling it right now you can hear on my loud keyboard oh you do have a loud keyboard I national donut day 2019 was june 7th so Missed it. We missed it. Sarah suggests 420 Town, which have you been to Denver? Is that a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how big of an event? Like, do you need to have a whole day? Does there need to be a whole like run up to your your thing? Is it just can 420 Town be a thing? Like, is it a just a time of day can be a town? Oh, that's good. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Midnight Town. If you go to the town where it's five o'clock somewhere and somewhere is there. Yo, that's deep. Yeah. 
Okay. What if that's that? What if that's where it's five o'clock all the time, <laughs> like in the song? Well, I bet if Jack Skellington lived there, he'd be bored. Jack five o'clock Ington, he would be bored that it was five <laughs> o'clock all the time. See, that's the other thing. Okay, so we talked about funny, funny holidays. Ha 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 ha. I'm gonna flash up the pumpkin because I'm gonna get scary in a second. Um, every one of these towns has like a figurehead. Yes. That ru- that rules it, I guess. Well, what? So every yes. so every one of these holiday towns that we just made has somebody who rules it with an iron fist <laughs> and whose authority cannot be questioned. Yeah, Independence Day town's probably Uncle Sam, right? Mm-hmm. That's messed I up. I imagine so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was trying to draft everybody all the time. Just really a really a bummer. I, I want you to go away, Uncle Sam. Um, he can't. He, even if they can't draft anybody, he's always just trying to like guilt people into going into the armed forces. Just like going around and pointing at him and looking at him. <laughs> a lot of people in the chat shouting out that Denver has more stuff to do than 420. Yes, I very much enjoyed my time in Denver, and uh, we did not celebrate 420 while we were there. Um, so. The thing that I was... You did go to John Hickenlooper's brewery, though, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did get some Hickenbrew. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a very good centrist beer. Yes. So, <laughs> Jack Skellington, to get back to the story of today, um, th- he goes through the Christmas door, not knowing what's on the other side. He falls through a portal into another land, and it's Christmas town, and everyone's having fun, and everybody's got candy. Oh, that's the portal that he falls Jack through. Falling into the vortex to Christmas Town. And with the I think the most iconic thing in the movie is that song, What's This? Like that's the that's the thing. Which in my in my understanding, they were like making that before That's the I I feel like that's the I don't remember every single song in the movie right off the top of my head. I think that is the Elfmaniest. Yes, it really song. is. Like the, the, the most song elfmanic. you hear, and it's the it's the most it's got the most elfmanic energy. Yes, um, and that that sentiment is not here. I think because it was not initially supposed to be a musical. Like it only became a musical after Elfman got involved. Um, I mean, without the songs, the movie is like a hot seventeen minutes well, long. And that's, so he I was, think you yeah, need he was to planning like a, a bit. he was planning like a you know Snoopy's Christmas like length special initially um to be put on tv and disney didn't want it so i mean if you just take this poem at face value like yeah it's it's about a 20 minute thing if you really pat it out um, there was that thread the thread that came out when uh the disney plus streaming service was announced uh-huh and just imagine how bad you would feel if you couldn't get a disney channel original movie made yeah, like they, wouldn't, they didn't want his TV show, but they did want like Sammy the Way Out Seal. Yeah, a lot of stuff <laughs> on that one. <laughs> like 15 Airbud movies got made. We don't want your stuff on our TV channel. Um, so this is he's so excited that he runs back to Halloween Town and is like, "Hey, I found some Christmas souvenirs." And everyone is kind of everyone in the spook the spooky town is spooked by the idea of Christmas. Like people are not excited. I don't think. Because well, they're, they're they're just trying to preserve their culture, Craig. <laughs> it's true. You're right. Um, Very spooky culture. <laughs> Back in Halloween, and this is we're not even talking about Halloween Land. We're talking about the holiday equated with the place. Yes, that's true. Back in Halloween, a group of Jack's peers, and this again, is Jack in charge of them? Are they? Is he first among equals? Like, what's the what's the what's the rulership situation? Stared in amazement at his Christmas souvenirs for this wondrous vision, none were prepared. Most were excited, though a few were quite scared. Mm. That line. So, back in Halloween, a group of Jack's peers stared in amazement at his Christmas souvenirs. My problem with the poetry of this is that it don't scan a lot of the time. Like this, the number of syllables does not match. And you just have to have some fun with it. And there's one, everybody knows there's one true kind of poetry and it's always, you can either go A-A-B-B or A-B-A-B and all the lines have to have the same number of syllables. That's the only way the poetry works. And that's the only, that's the only real poem is all I'm saying. Okay. And so that it didn't, that the book didn't adhere to that kind of bothered me a little bit. 
you're gonna have some trouble reading to your son is all i'm gonna say if that's the only kind of poetry you can handle because i think some of the it's not the only kind of poetry i can handle it's the only kind of poetry that i recognize (laughs) (laughs) fair enough um so he is like planning to be santa he's kind of mad that he can't also be a santa um and again, things that if you are familiar with the movie that are just not here, he just is like, hey, I want to be him. So he sends his little friends, who are the creepy little guys, who the trick-or-treaters, um, and they just go kidnap him. There's no, like, I don't remember how Oogie Boogie gets involved in the movie. I really don't. Now, in the movie, the kids, the spooky little kids, have a dual loyalty to oh. Oogie Boogie and to Jack Skellington. Okay. Um, now, where Oogie Boogie fits in, I don't know if he like used to run Halloween Town, and he's been like deposed or just voted out of office, or if he just is content to be kind of the power behind the throne. Um, but yeah, like the Jack has the kids go and and do the crime. But he doesn't know that the kids are working for Oogie Boogie, I guess. Yes, they are called Lock. That's my. Yes, from the movie. That's my memory of it. Yeah, Yeah. they are called Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Thank you, Kat, in the chat. Um, They, yeah, and I think in the movie, you need like an antagonist. And because Jack and Santa are going to make up at the end, like you can't. Jack's not the antagonist. He's the good guy. Um, So in the poem, it just works that like, hey, some creepy kids kidnapped Santa. Uh, and Jack's like, "Hey, bud, I'm gonna be Santa this year. Chill out. I got it. You can lie in my coffin, creak doors, and yell boo." He says. Yeah. So in this, so they do kidnap Santa. They shove him in a sack. Hmm. But that, but there's no, there's nobody he's like trapped by. He. So at some point, I don't know if he's just like sitting around and waiting for Jack to fail because it's the only way he'll learn or what the. Yeah, it's really. A, I mean, he's he's surrounded by a very worried-looking Dracula, a ghost, an outraged devil, a sad clown, a, pu- a guy who is a pumpkin, the, the mayor, like going to be the mayor. Yes, that's the, de- in the, the character movie, design. Is the mayor in the movie. Yeah. Um. There's a when you look at the crowd scenes of the monsters, though, there is a there's a surprising number of. Uh, bet just like bedsheet ghosts. Mm, mm-hmm. As a webcomic, Gunner Craig Court, I I read referred to them once bedsheet phantasms, which is how I always think. Oh of no, them, <laughs> because that's just that classic ghost archetype. <laughs> um, so Sa- th- uh, Rebecca asks if Sally is in the book. The character Sally appears in illustrations, but there is no like. So the oogie boogie plot is gone. The romantic subplot is gone completely along gone. with the romantic subplot the uh the like mad scientist yep, yep creator yep. slash father of sally is not is not present mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's substantially streamlined in ways that i don't know if they really add or subtract anything i think maybe i think the movie works better if it has a protagonist who's not jack because yeah craig like you said we need to be on jack's side the whole time yes no it, and and jordan asks like yeah. are there are there women in the story and no it's just it's a story about Jack and what he wants to do for better. Like for one us. of the one of the spooky kids. Yeah, I mean, it it very Seems to be much <laughs> reads. <laughs> yeah, it reads like a children's book about a character named Jack Skellington. And most books of this size and scope tend to be pretty lean on on extraneous characters, um, for better or for worse. So Sarah asks if it passes the Bechdel test and. I'm trying to think. Well, I think the Christmas version of the Bechdel test is: Do two non-Christmas related figures talk on screen about something that isn't Christmas? And I so I don't think that it passes the Christmas Bechdel test either. In addition to the <laughs> the, the regular Bechdel one. test, yeah. sure. Um, we do get a moment with Zero the dog, which the is ji- the Jingle Bell test. I don't know. Oh my god. Um, the Zero the Dog does come back in a purely rip-off Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> moment <laughs> where there's so much fog, uh, like a Halloween fog slowly rolled in 
and Jack is despairing because he can't see, and Zero is, you know, going to let... Jack said, Zero, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Like, come on, mm-hmm. Tim Burton. Come on. Mm-hmm. Just, just ripping off great songs left and right. Um, Adam asks whether it's Santa, isn't Santa production-focused, and... Uh, it's not management doesn't make the toys the workers make the toys thanks <laughs> the elves make the toys elves of the world unite yeah um and then we get a direct reference to the night before christmas so we get you know twas a nightmare before christmas and all through the house not a creature was peaceful not even a mouse the stockings all hung by the chimney with care when open that morning would cause quite a scare and then it's like everybody got monsters and skeleton heads and <laughs> and a wreath that tries to eat them. Yeah. So some of that stuff, which is from like it's a pretty cool montage from the movie that I remember, like the little sad kids like see Jack and he's got his creepy beard that hangs off his head and he's like giving them terrible toys. And yeah, um, there's definitely a kid that's getting literally choked by a monster wreath. Which is I don't. There isn't you don't. Yeah, the, the illustrations in in this through this run of it are very like Edward Gorey ish. Yes, I think I, yes. I don't know to the extent that Burton was influenced by him, but it seems like it would be hard for him not to at least know about. Sure. That, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marta's in the chat defending this some of this as as an homage, which I think is fair. He's playing around with stuff. I'm being cheeky by calling it a ripoff it's if you are a fan of christmas or you know have just absorbed most of popular secular christmas <laughs> through being alive um mm-hmm. you can maybe get a kick out of like oh and this is the part that's like this and if you're reading it with a kid that is familiar with that stuff that's probably <laughs> gonna be fun kirk says creepy beard that hangs off his head wow craig glass houses well you know <laughs> One man's trash is another man's treasure, so I'll say about I don't know that. If that's what that phrase means. Um, so we get more more images of the creepy toys attacking the kids, um, and we do get a shot of Jack being shot at by the military. Which he is blasted out of the air with like an anti aircraft missile, missile, which seems maybe a little excessive, but also like true to. Like, it's a true representation, I think, of the military-industrial complex. I feel like, wait, the the I'm wondering, someone if someone wants to tell me, like, make a list of all the Santa movies or Christmas-related fiction where, like, the military or the police state gets involved. Because now I'm thinking back to the Santa Claus and how they literally arrest him and people are worried that there's like some sort of home invasion thing happening. I think it ha- I think a similar thing happens in Elf, like there's like who's this guy flying around in this mm-hmm. like sled. There is you know, the government I know the, like the city government in um the city of Southtown does get involved in the year without a Santa Claus. True, true, which true. is the movie where Santa just wants a wants a year off, which is very it's very nightmare before Christmassy in that in that sense. Yes, like Santa just doesn't want to do it. He has one job that he does one day a year, and he doesn't want to do it. Man, and I think the like the mayor says if you make it snow in Southtown, then Santa can have a year off and nobody will complain about it. I haven't seen that movie in a minute. But it is the one with the Snow Miser, Heat Miser songs. Yes, so those are fun ones. It has that going for yeah. it. Um, so he like has to get out of there. He, you know, he gets shot down. He falls into a cemetery. Um, I thought I could be Santa. I had such belief. Jack was confused and filled with great grief. Um, and then just as he's getting all sad, this terrifying <laughs> drawing of Santa shows up. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I I suppose he's supposed to, like, be comforting Jack? Really unclear. I think so. I don't know at what point he became unkidnapped is the first thing. That's uh, And then he shows up and basically says, hey, Jack, let the experts handle this. Yeah. Uh, My dear Jack, said Santa, I applaud your intent. 
I know wreaking such havoc was not what you meant. And so you're sad and feeling quite blue, but taking over Christmas was the wrong thing to do. I hope you realize Halloween's the right place for you. There's a lot more, Jack, that I'd like to say, but now I must hurry for it's almost Christmas Day. Then he jumped in his sleigh and with a wink of an eye, he said Merry Christmas and bid them goodbye. Couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the rhyme scheme is A A B B B C C D D. So I don't know why there's another. <laughs> there's just an extra line in there. Yeah, Timmy, Timmy boy, what are you doing? And did did Halloween just not happen this year, or was it, it Halloween happened? And then I he was like, "Man, happened. I'm tired of Halloween, so I'm gonna take Christmas too." Yeah, I it, if I recall from the movie, they're like celebrating a real successful Halloween. So it's unclear in the poem that we read. In the book that we read, it is left un undiscussed. But I would bet it's like, ugh, man, that Halloween was so boring. I just did all my normal Halloween stuff. Just going through the motions, you know? Yeah. And I then, think the movie does sell Jack's melancholy a little bit. Yeah. Better where yes. in the book it's it's sort of a um just kind of a whim almost. Yes, yes, like yes. The, yes. Both, the, both the melancholy and the journey to, like the what's, you know, the what's this song, the journey to getting really excited about Christmas and about this like new thing that he's never mm-hmm. known before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think does a, slight, does a slightly better job of filling in why this thing, that does this would happen. Yeah, I guess what I'm, I leave this book really appreciating is the work that those songs do in the movie to like, really explore the feelings that this book is just telling you that Jack has. Like, because it's nature as being a shorter children's poem, you don't get to, like, see those feelings in action. You're just like, oh, this is a character that feels sad about how he is. And, like, plenty of kids' books do that. Like, this is a character who loves eating pizza, and they have to deal with the fact that they're eating too much pizza or whatever it might be. Dragons love tacos and whatnot. Um, That Shel Silverstein poem where that guy is going to die... If he eats another piece of pie, but he's also going to die if he doesn't eat another piece of pie. Is Shel Silverstein good poems? Those are those are fine poems, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, what's the one where you get trapped? Is like a kid gets trapped in an icebox or something? I don't know that one. Mm, somebody will tell me in the chat, I'm sure. There's an icebox one that I'm thinking about. Um, okay, yeah, I bet somebody in the, in the chat knows, yeah. But, yeah, I was just like struck... The other thing that you just mentioned is the the joy of doing something new, which is like a huge part of what I remember about the film. And like it is kind of more passing when you read it. It's not as effective as a like, oh, he really like loves this. And he kind of is a little... Does he actually see how bad a time people are having with his crappy Christmas in the movie. Because I I think in this book, it's like Santa, like he learns his lesson because he got shot out of the sky. Like they literally, you know, it's like. I feel like that's, a, isn't that the case in the movie too? Like he's having a great time and then he gets like blown up and they're like, oh wait, they don't like my Christmas? What, yeah, you're right. The, he does. What, he sits what up. What gives, guys? He doesn't like see that the kids are crying necessarily. I don't think. I could be wrong. Um, it, he's. It is interesting that he's in in the book. The things he's specifically tired of is like being scary and scaring people. Yes. And yet it's the only thing that he knows how to do. And so he does it whether he intends to or not. Yeah. I I guess you can't rise above your circumstances. Yeah. This is really a a be careful, like a be happy with what you have kind of book. Though Santa does bring Christmas to the land of Halloween. So that is like a well, nice... Well, he makes it snow. I don't know if that's Christmas. I mean, fair. That's true. I Back home, Jack was sad, but then like a dream, Santa brought Christmas to the land of Halloween. And all we get in the book is this picture of it snowing, which is very... It's a, it's a nice tableau with the pumpkins and, the, yeah. and Jack being happy and the moon and stuff. But uh, what else What else does Santa do? Santa bring presents? Unclear. Really unclear. Probably, I, if I were Santa, I would not bring presents to the people who kidnapped me and stole my holiday. Come on. He, but he seems Santa seems to respect their good intentions, which is 
Well, very he's Santa. Then. He's very charitable. That's true. Except to the elves. Um, folks in the chat are reminding me that there is a Shel Silverstein poem called a, a, "There's about a polar bear in our frigidaire." That's actually what I was thinking about. Sure. Okay. Because um, what you were saying sounds like way a worse. PSA yes. about how you're supposed to take the doors off of old refrigerators <laughs> so kids don't get trapped in That's them. That's very true. Which I guess could be a dark Shel Silverstein <laughs> poem, but. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this was, I mean, I like it. It's a fun little book. I think it would be fun to talk to a kid about what they imagine the towns to be like, you know, if they had not seen the film, um, to, to really engage in the imaginative work of what we are being like, what, what is Halloween town? What do they do there? How does it work? (laughs) I hope it's, I hope it's clear that our, picking a part of the of the book and its political systems and also like what works in the movie yeah what works in the book is like kind of intentionally comedic like obviously we don't expect a children's picture book to (laughs) fill in all of these gaps that would be boring but yes uh, yeah and i i think um i did have a thought and this might be our final question andrew oh no i did have a thought did you Um, hurt yourself do these, it, it's not really hey. explained in the book, and I don't remember, I guess, well, do the Halloween town people, they go out and, like, impact the real world on Halloween, right? Like, they go, like, Monsters, Inc. style, they go scare people, like, that's their job. It doesn't just, like, hang out in Halloween town all year. Right? I don't, I don't know. Because, like, Santa goes out into the real world and gives real presents. I think that I've, I I got to imagine it's a Monsters, Inc. kind of situation. But also, it does seem like going out into the world and giving people, like, reeds that are going to eat them is a new innovation. Yes. So, I don't know. Maybe they just manufacture the spookiness mm. in Halloween Town. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. Are there alliances between the different... Holiday towns are the governments of the holiday towns even aware of each other because they do seem to recognize each other's like territory and their like sovereignty. Well, Jack doesn't. He storms in. Jack Jack doesn't. But then he gets blown out of the air in in the real world by the by the United States military. And clearly (laughs) the U.S. and Christmastown have some sort of well pact where if where if christmas gets attacked then the u.s will respond like they're clearly i guess christmas town is in nato or something yeah that's true when you um, when you become president they tell you about all the holiday towns and where, how okay, you get it's to like them. in harry potter where the prime minister knows about wizards yes yes that's true um well that's i guess that's the book right i guess it is i mean that is literally the end of the book i think it's nice i think the yeah. illustrations are nice they are they're very good and they're like I know we were we were kind of riffing on what Tim Burton visuals are, but like I for me this is the fun Tim Burton stuff. It doesn't feel overdone, right? Because it's just like it's cool art. It's not oh why does Johnny Depp look like that? Which is every movie <laughs> that Johnny Depp is in with Tim Burton. I'm just like how did this? <sighs> what does Johnny Depp have on Tim Burton? Is the question That's I've a got. At great this point. question. That's a great question. <laughs> Um, so thanks everyone for joining us in the chat. Shout out. Rebecca, oh. Rebecca asks, uh, will I read it to Henry? And I think I will as seasonally appropriate. And that's, that's another big question is, is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I think it's, I think it's a Halloween movie, but mostly just because there's more oxygen for it to suck up around Halloween than there is around Christmas. It like would get lost. They're not. There are not that many. Like, what what does Halloween have? Halloween has Monster Mash, Monster Cereals, and that's it. There's a bunch and of Nightmare Before Christmas. And like Those all the, the horror movies. You watch no, horror I think movies. It's, no, no, you listen to Monster Mash and you eat Boo Berry, and that's it. That's all you do. Hmm. That's what you, you watch. That's Nightmare all you Before do. Mm-hmm. No, that's all anybody does. Okay. All of Halloween Town begs to differ, but <laughs> I think folks in the chat asked uh, what is our favorite illustrations are. This should be a, a good thing to take us out. I am, sure. um, I don't know. It might be Sad Jack 
climbing a mountain of sad pumpkins with a really evil pumpkin son. Um, I'm gonna somebody. Ho- oh no, you do your search. Yeah, so it's this one. I'll make sure I tweet it out for folks listening at home. Um, and that's it's. I'm tweeting it out for critical purposes. It's not violating copyright. Fair use. Fair, fair use, use. Fair, fair use, use. Fair use. <laughs> Um, it's really my cool. favorite one is is one in the intro where they make like a snowman out of pumpkins, which I think you can see here. Oh, yeah, that's just cool. A big, I like, like that. a big pumpkin on the bottom and then a media pumpkin in the middle and a small pumpkin on top. Yes. Um, two last thoughts from the chat. Jordan, Andrew, don't we have an entire month of Spooktober on this actual podcast? That's what people I know do what following. Um, and Gloria um, in the movie. Um, Jack comes back to what he's best at and reigns supreme. He kind of l- learns that he is meant to be here in a in a way that I don't think is really covered in the book. Um, he, like by defeating Oogie Boogie, he like cl- like relearns what it is to be the king of Halloween Town. Well, I will tell you for free: there is nothing like failing at something hard that makes you appreciate going back to. East. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> Um, okay, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our Patreon supporters in the chat. Um, if you have a favorite Halloween movie that we didn't mention, you can send us uh, your thoughts on it to OverduePod at gmail.com. Hit us up, twitter.com slash OverduePod or facebook.com slash OverduePod. Andrew, the website, you know what it is? OverduePodcast.com. Up there we have iTunes slash Apple Podcast, Google Play links, and RSS links. And a link to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash OverduePod. Craig, you already mentioned that, but can't mention it too many times. Truth. Since uh, daycare is starting up real soon. It's starting. We got to make sure it keeps going. <laughs> um, so people in the chat, we've got an episode about Psycho coming out on Monday to finish out Spooktober for y'all. And we uh, mention our November schedule on that show. Craig, do you want to just run through it real quick? Oh, for- yeah. I'll do it real the quick. folks. Give them a little, give them a little preview. Yeah, we're doing um, Roll Dolls, James and the Giant Peach. We are doing um, Jack Kerouac's On the Road. We are doing uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and we are doing uh, that was with uh, the New York Public Library folks. And James and the Giant Peach was done with uh, Natasha from Unspoiled. And then we're closing up the month, hopefully, with Andrew reading The Fountainhead. Spooky. By Ayn Rand. Yeah, spooky. Uh, that's it. That's the show. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hang on to your butts, everybody. Um, until we talk to you next time, try to be pumpkins, I guess. <laughs>